right. Talking to her dad. Yeah, pretty much. Oh. God damn it, yep. Frank, I've told you, mute it when you go to take a leak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone, welcome to episode 20. The magic and miracle of episode 20 of the Disaster Dads. Thank you for joining us for these uh, 20 episodes. We really do appreciate it. Uh, this is your host, Eric, and I'm happy to be joined by Disaster Frank, Dan, and Rob. Uh, we will have a dive-in soon from Disaster Joe, I hope. He is dealing with a young one, and hey, that takes precedence than, you know, hanging out with a couple of guys on Skype. So we've gone from being Disaster Dad, Frank, Rob, and Dan, to now we're just Disaster Frank, Rob, and Dan. Well, I was trying to keep it shorter. I'm, I'm, you know, brevity is the, the name of the game for me. You know that. Disaster Frank works fine. <laughs> yeah. Strunk and white salute you, Eric. Well, uh, I do what I can. Yeah. And, and one night Hillary was like, you guys pick on Frank a lot. I was like, we don't really pick on him. We just point out things that happen. They we, just sound sound like we're picking on him. But, you know. We, we just answer him. Yeah. <laughs> For the uh, listeners, Frank is just giving us the death stare. So uh, with that, we'll just keep moving forward. <laughs> he's, he's plotting what ammunition to use. All right. Alexa, catch them on fire. Alexa, yeah. sign them up for mailing lists. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, seriously. Whoever signed me up for a conservative daily, thank you very much for that. I can't unsubscribe. I tried to unsubscribe. Now I'm getting two messages a day. How it's can like, you unsubscribe like from the truth, Eric? <laughs> it's it's like a, the hydra you cut off one and they just come back more yeah, i don't know what's better yeah. signed up for that or aarp like uh disaster rob over here yeah, well, at least when i catch up to the actual age for aarp it's gonna pay out it'll be useful <laughs> right yeah, so, yeah you'll uh, be read up <laughs> <laughs> well as we go course, down the of course I, you'll forget everything you've already read but whatever just send it again <laughs> Well, as we head down the road of old man jokes, um, you know, we got to th- thinking about what did we want to talk about this week. And um, Disaster Dad Dan has mentioned that he is getting his uh, his backyard pool up and ready and Memorial Day is right around the corner. So we thought we'd touch upon some uh, some pool water safety type of things uh, that we should be aware of as you know, as dads of, of uh, little kids and also just, you know, in general, things that you need to have to be safe around a pool, uh, not just a pool, 71 percent, a little science of the uh, planet is covered in in water. So that's, you know, a lot of places, majority, you would almost say, but I don't want to really get into that. Um, but so it's good to, you know, want to talk about the high points of, of learning how to swim. And I mean, it was a it was a big thing for me when I was a kid, you know, uh, the we only had an outdoor pool and it was only open you know two months out of the year but you had to learn how to swim and that was the thing that it was really and you important. had to fight the grizzly to get to it yeah but. no no that was the second phase so i first had to learn how to swim in a pool and then the next thing they did is you had to learn how to swim in a river like how to if you fell out of the kayak or whatever canoe how to get to the side that's swimming i actually enjoyed a lot more because it's just point your toes and aim towards an edge and make sure there's no like you know waterfall that comes before you hit the edge that was that was much easier, but there's more did, stuff. Did your that. did your mom take it to the riverbank to learn how to catch salmon? 
that's well, yeah, because that's where you get the most protein. I'm, go- I'm going with the bear joke. I, yeah, I yeah, where. you get the most protein there. You do the the double fist. You catch it with both hands, and then just take that bite out, and you're good to go for a while. Nutrients. <laughs> All right. <laughs> wow. No, that actually. Uh, I, that went a lot longer than I expected because I really thought Dan was going to take me down sooner. So, uh, but with that, I would like to, uh, you know, turn it over to Dan and, and have him kind of fill us in on some of the stuff that he does for his backyard to get ready uh, for the yeah. you know, the pool season. So when to jump in the wayback machine, <laughs> when my wife and I were looking at houses, pre kids, not a care in the world. I was well rested. It was great. Life was good. Uh, we go to this house. We walk into the kitchen where uh, we look through the kitchen window into the backyard, and it's got this gorgeous pool. And my wife says, oh, this house has a pool. We should buy this house. And I said, yeah, you say that, but I'm the one that's going to have to walk it when it's raining and take it to the vet and deal with all the bullshit with it. And she said – yeah, and we bought the house. Yeah. So uh, we inherited a pool, which um, was great, but definitely created a lot of thoughts among uh, thoughts. Sort of, it, it informed our thoughts about how to deal with kids and water from a very early early age. Because once the kids got mobile, they had access to a lot of water uh, just in the backyard. So, you know. Before we even get to to the pool, I, I think we should start generally just thinking about sort of kids and water safety in general. And first of all is, you know, kids just innately love water. They like being around water. They like playing in water, all of it. And that's great. There's a ton of benefits to that. Um, but, uh, you know, it also comes with risks. Mm-hmm. and requires some thoughts by the parents ahead of time before you get into a situation where you're playing playing around water. Um, you know, I mean, some of the benefits, first of all, I would say I would certainly encourage people to introduce their kids to water at an early age. First of all, you know, it's great exercise. It gets you out of the house. It gets you out of the family room. You're not staring at a screen with some animated bullshit or whatever. Uh, you're actually, you know, moving around. It's good. You know, swimming lessons are a lot of fun for the kids. We start, I think, based on Facebook pictures, pretty much everyone on the podcast has done some version of the, like, baby and you swim yeah. class from a very early age. That's a ton of fun. For a nominal fee, I mean, I think it was like 25, 50 bucks a session, something like that, for 10 lessons, yeah. um, you get a weekly activity with, with the kid that gets you out of the house when you're just in that phase where you're trying to figure out how to get out of the house with this kid that you've just landed on. Um, and so it's great. No. And, you know, start, go ahead. Eric. I was going to yeah. say the baby and me class, you know, we've done it for, or for the oldest and we're working on it with the youngest now, but I'm always the one that ends up having to go in the pool. Is that the same for the round table or was it the, the mom that took the kid in the pool? Cause we, my, my class was all dads pool. and all the moms are on the edge cheering everybody on. Yep. Same with us. I, I chose to go in. It was actually, we yeah. set up, when Kevin was six months old, uh, my wife had set that up and found it for a Friday. So it was my work at home day. I took mm. some flex time um, midday and went out and we bounced into the pool and, and it was a good time. 
That's awesome. Yeah. So, so it was actually it was my choice to be the one that, and I think we alternated various weeks. It was there might have been times where we both went in and basically passed Kevin between us. So. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm you, glad I did it, but I thought it was funny. Yeah. Like each different iteration, it was like mostly 99 percent of the dads were the ones in the water, and the moms were on the edge cheering everybody on. Yeah. And you know, I mean, the other benefit about swim classes or, almost, or or any classes as the kids get older is, and particularly swim classes, because when you're when they get to an age where you're not going into the water with them, that's like 40 minutes where you can sit and read a book, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Or whatever else you want to do, you know, for 40 minutes, it gives you a bit of downtime. It's good. It's good times. Strong. It's good. Strong it's good for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Everybody wins. But um, you know, even if you don't do the swim class from an early age, you know. It's interesting. We'll have a bunch of show notes come that I have written up for for this. But if you go to the American Red Cross uh, website, you know the point that they make is that with with babies, two inches of water is enough for them to get into trouble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Meaning, even if you don't take them to swim class, if you leave them unattended in the little tiny little baby bath, like not even a bathtub, but like the little like plastic sink bath yeah. sink bath thing, you can run into bad times and you know not that we're going to get grim here but part of the reason why we're going to keep harping on sort of situational awareness and keeping your eyes on the kids is the bad outcomes that are possible when you're around the water are the baddest outcomes that you can have when you're talking about kid safety so uh you know we're not gonna we're trying we'll try not to be too morbid about it but this is something where you really need to stay on your toes and keep keep your your wits about you because it only takes 30 seconds 45 seconds turning around when a kid's in two inches of water if they're a, a eight month you know eight week old 12 week old whatever and you can have some serious problems so i don't even think you need 30 seconds a, they can go yeah right have that happen to a neighborhood kid real fast okay. have that right. happen to a neighborhood kid growing up baby crawled out of the house and nobody was paying attention and right into the pool yeah. So, yeah, I mean, but and and obviously, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, securing if you own a pool, securing your pool is another topic that we'll get into. But just even so, even if you don't take the kids to the pool, if you have a baby at home, you've got to be mindful of water and the kid because they're going to like taking baths. At least both of my kids did. I mean, I'm sure there are kids that hate baths, but um, the cat, both of my children. kids loved taking baths. And it's tempting. We've all been there. We know it's tempting to turn around and go do something else when you think the kid is okay. And when they're around water, that's not the time to do that, I think, is the punchline. Two inches of water is enough. Um, The other thing that people kept harping on, in addition to securing your pool, if you have like an under, you know, a below ground pool like I have in my backyard, but even if you just have a kiddie pool in your backyard, store it upside down. Yeah. Because. There's this thing called rain that happens sometimes. It can fill up your kiddie pool. And if your kids are out playing in the backyard unsupervised, if you, if you don't have a below-ground pool or, you know, a pool in your backyard, um, that can be enough to create problems for one to two to three-year-olds. So don't do that. Store it upside down. But to talk about, you know, you know beyond just sort of bathtub, kiddie pool things – Pools, ponds, lakes, rivers, the beach, right? Those are pretty much the areas where you're going to run in, you know, water parks, I guess, 
are the areas where you're going to run into um, water, water, and your kids. Thank you. And problems. And problems. And, and problems. Yeah. Uh, don't go chasing so, those waterfalls. Right. Don't don't do it. Stick to don't the rivers and lakes that you're used to. So, uh, in terms of those areas, just generally, there are a few things that you should keep in mind when you're getting around uh, the you know water. First is it's not a bad idea to know CPR. Again, to just jump to the worst case scenario, both for kids and adults, uh, it may be useful to have CPR. You know, I, I think that we would all probably recommend having at least one person in your family be yeah. CPR certified. Know the sort of the 911 protocol, how to call 911. Obviously, you dial 911, but, um, you know, Figured have, out. A, have a way to do that, meaning know where there's a phone. One thing that I would say as a pool owner and having to jump in to grab a couple of kids, generally not mine, um, if you are around a pool, don't keep your phone in your pocket because if you have to do the David Hasselhoff and jump in to grab a kid, don't have to go buy a new iPhone after <laughs> you pull the kid out. I've had multiple people ask for a bag of rice in my backyard, you know, a plastic bag full of rice to try and do a little, you know, talk about CPR, a little yeah, iPhone, iPhone CPR, CPR in the background. Um, and then, obviously, all of this goes without being said, but um, if the parents aren't good at swimming, that's going to be a problem as well. So make sure that the adults know how to swim. And if you don't, um, you know, no shame in that. Some folks just didn't learn when they were a kid. Learn. It's yeah. fun. It's pretty easy um, to do. It doesn't take that much to uh, – once you get over the, the initial fear of being in the water that anybody that doesn't know how to swim should have – um, you're going to find out that it's a lot of fun and it'll be a great way for you to connect with your kids. So, um, and at my make body sure mass index, I just kind of float. So, you know, yeah, I mean, we generally are very pro buoyancy on the podcast. I think it's yeah. safe to say. Nope. Nope. Oh yeah. Not really? Irish, Rob, Irish Rob over there has got no protective layer. Uh, <laughs> Same with Joe. Straight to the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> that is, so the, you know, those are just sort of general thoughts to have before you start to get into the water, you know, into the pool, around the pool, going to playdates at pools, go to the, going to your neighborhood pool. When you're at the pool, a few uh, general things to think about. First is, and this sort of goes without saying, especially when you have the like one to three to four year olds, don't take your eyes off your kids. It's going to be a couple summers before you're going to be able to go back to the pool and just sit and mess around on your phone or read your book or whatever it might happen to be. You got to just keep your eyes on. It's it's like going on a vacation with a one or a two year old. It's a vacation for them, not so much for you. You're just parenting in a different location. Yeah. So the the first thing. The second thing is American Red Cross, a bunch of other nonprofits that we'll link to that talk about pool safety. Again, when you're talking about really younger kids that are just starting to get mobile, one, two, three, you pretty much want to keep them arm's length or closer. Um, one of the things that we did that, based on my reading of some of these sites in preparation for the, the podcast tonight, is a little controversial, is 
we didn't use any flotation stuff with our kids. Our thought being, um, we don't want the kids to develop a false sense of security when there's a pool in the backyard about what they're able to do. And we want to try and incentivize them getting better at swimming in the water so that they don't have to be clutching mom or dad to do it. It was sort of a long-term cost-benefit thought process there because I'm not going to lie, the first couple summers with the kids in the pool really sucked because we either had to be right next to the kid or holding the kid while we were in the water. But then by the time that our oldest was, like last summer she would have been three and a half at the beginning of the summer – she had had two years of swim lessons, and by the end of the summer, she could jump in and swim across the length of the pool with no assistance whatsoever and liked doing it. Nice. So it was one of these things where, yeah, the first couple of summers kind of sucked a little bit for the parents, but by the end of it, it was much, you know, much better for us in the long run. That being said... These, you know, our girls go into the pool three or four times a week because it's in our backyard. Go ahead, Eric. What were you going to say? No, no. I was going to say, did you practice like rescuing it like with a pole, like so they knew what it would, how to grab the pole if they got stuck a little bit? Or have you, it was always, did you always tell them that you, you know, look for us if you're, if you're having trouble or look for a buoy or like, have you set up some like safety protocols for them? Like just so they know kind of what to look for or something bad kind of happens? Yes. So first we just sort of taught them situational awareness where they knew um, if they were to to jump into the pool from the sort of the jump in spot in our backyard, from there to the stairs to get out of the pool is like two strokes. Mm -hmm. So the biggest thing that we would do initially when they, if they would jump in and they would get a little flustered because they either get disoriented or they get a little water in their mouth or whatever, Ba, 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 ba. we sort of put a hand under their belly and help them swim but then by the end you know by the end of last summer we could basically get to the point where especially our oldest if she got a little turned around we would be in the pool when she would jump in and we'd say all right calm down you know we're right next to her but we'd say all right with no hands on her we'd say all right calm down we're here where do you have to swim and she would do a little bit one of these sort of look around figure it out and get there so it one was of one of these, it was sort of like, you know, like we have sort of a split level on our entry level to our house where we've got two stairs down from our kitchen to our family room. Mm-hmm. And we never put a baby gate up on the, that like one and a half steps with the thinking being like, if you're going to learn how to go up and down stairs, and if you're going to go ass over tea kettle down a set of stairs, one and a half stairs is sort of how to figure out how to do that. And when the kids started sort of crawling around and certainly standing up and walking, they would, they fell a couple times down the stairs and they realized like, well, that kind of sucks. Let's not do that anymore. And they figured out how to walk up and down stairs. Yeah. It was sort of that th- same, you know, the line that I use sometimes is sort of, there's two schools of thought. You can baby proof your house or you can house proof your baby. Um, and that was sort of how we tended towards the, with the pool and the kids. Now, that being said, that was only we're there in the backyard with them. We're literally in the water with them. There is a hard and fast rule, and there's and with serious consequences that nobody goes in the backyard without a parent. Any time of year, pools open, pools covered, doesn't matter. They know uh, 
if they go in the backyard when they're told not to or when they're not supervised, the hammer of God comes down on them and they lose whatever plastic bullshit they care about that week. <laughs> they're going to lose access to cartoons, you know, whatever it is that your More kid does. sacrifices. Wanna, right. Yeah. Whatever it is that your kid doesn't want to lose. That's what my kids will lose if they go in the backyard unsupervised. Yeah. So, um, Frank, were you going to say something? I was going to say that, you know, teaching them kind of where to go on the floor. You know, those, those baby swim classes, <clears throat> one of the things they teach you is when you jump in, immediately know where the side of the pool is. So that they yep. can, if, if for some reason they fall in, they can orient themselves real quick and grab the side of the pool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, lucky for us, our pool is fairly small. So, um, you're you're never gonna have to swim that far to get to an edge. Yeah. And from a very early age, my my older daughter liked to sort of crawl around the edge of the pool to go all the way around and come back. And we always were very supportive of that because it sort of got her comfortable, sort of maneuvering around the pool. And so we always let her do that. But um, that was sort of our thought process. I'm not going to tell you, nor do I think it's a good idea that no parent should let their kids use floaties or anything like that. If your kids aren't that used to being around water, it's a great tool to use. It certainly helps increase the safety of kids around water. Um, we have a lot of parents that come to our house that bring floaties, and we have no problem with that. But our rule was just if you're going to live in a house with a pool – you're going to learn to respect the pool and respect what it means to yeah. be in the water. And that was how we decided to do it. Uh, you know, so there you go. Um, uh, one yeah, other like, thing, and, and, like and actually just to, to talk about access to the pool, because that was something we've touched on earlier. When we moved into our house, so our house was built in 81, and the pool went in shortly thereafter. In the county where I lived, the fence that we had around our backyard was a cattle fence, meaning it was posts with a piece of pressure, two pieces of pressure treated lumber going horizontally between the posts. Yeah. That was it. That was code in 81 for a pool in our county. It's very secure. It, is, it really keeps the kids from crawling in the pool. Uh, yeah, right. you, you can't it get is, through a yeah. almost, real fence at all. Right. To give you some some sort of uh, you know context, Northern Virginia, almost any Northern Virginia county right now, sort of where we're all broadcasting from here, it is almost impossible to put a pool in your backyard now. If you wanted to go in fresh and just, hey, I want to dig a below-ground pool, an in-ground pool in my backyard, good luck because it ain't going to happen. Uh, so what we ended up doing shortly after, actually, I think it was while we were pregnant with our, with our oldest, what's now our oldest, we got a five foot stockade fence put around the entire perimeter of our backyard. And we were lucky in that we had good relationships with our neighbors. Our neighbors on both sides had effectively matching fences. We were able to tie in to their fences. They let us tie in. So there was, there we didn't have double posts at the corners of the property. Um, so it ended up looking very nice. But again, that goes to a point that I think Frank was making earlier, which is, you know, when we were thinking about our yard and our pool, we're not just thinking about our kids. We're thinking about all the kids in our neighborhood. There are tons of kids in our neighborhood 
um, as our girls are getting older and we're starting to have play dates, you know, there are other kids that know we have a pool in our backyard. Um, so, you know, we've taken additional steps to secure the backyard. Well, protect and, yourself just in case, you know, so that the kids know they can't go back there and you've done everything you can if you're trying to teach right. them as they come over. But if someone decides to, you know, shimmy through or whatever, they can't, it's a little harder to do that through a real fence. Exactly. And, and, you know, some jurisdictions out there don't require some type of fence around the pool, but I think it's probably safe, safest to put some type of fence around your pool if it's below ground. If it's above ground, make sure that the access to the to the deck around the pool is locked Yeah. so the kids can't get in it. Yep. I, I, like the, I like the hard and fast rule of nobody in the yard without an adult, and I would think that would carry over to any other kid that shows up at your house no matter what age um and you know you can no we don't care about other people's kids right yeah my kids are fine (laughs) uh Um, no i'm kidding yeah no you're exactly right uh rob and and you can speak this if you want but um you know what regardless of who's in your pool i mean that's now i mean that's your ass that's your liability at that point yes so yep um no that is 100 percent correct and that was why we um, we went ahead and we upgraded the fence in fairly short order. I mean, we were in our house less than two years before we had our first kid. So it was in the first, effectively the first year to two years that we upgraded the fence after we moved in. Because after a summer of this, we sort of went, all right, if you can stand on the sidewalk and see my pool, yeah, mm-hmm. that's not good. Um, do you have do you have so, different insurance like homeowners insurance because you have a pool like is there a special like pool clause? No, uh-huh. I don't believe so. Let me say uh-huh. let me check let me check with headquarters let me check with my commanding officer <laughs> yeah. on that. Uh, but I don't believe so. We uh, I mean we have to say that we have a pool when we fill out that kind of stuff. Yeah. The, the one uh, here is a pro tip: if you are buying a house with a pool and you get the home warranty, check the fine print. We did. Um, a lot of home warranties will cover any pool equipment that is above ground. (laughs) And that worked for us because we actually have more of our sort of pool infrastructure is above ground than is normal. So our filter, our pool pump, and our supplementary pump for the little vacuum robot thing that goes around and sucks up the leaves is all above ground. So there were a couple of times when we had a um a problem with something and we were able to get our homeowners insurance to cover it nice so you mean um, i think yeah our home warranty thank you basically if you go like one like a half step up from the entry level warranty um generally that covers pool stuff that's above the ground so that's just worth that saved us a couple bucks. Nice. The 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 what I will say for anybody thinking about buying a pool, installing a pool, whatever is, um, there's no such thing as a fifteen dollar problem when you own a pool. <laughs> Basically, um, think so, about if you're gonna have a pool, think about it's your third child. There's it's no your cheap third problem. child. Think about it like this. Think about it like this. I really like the pool. I really like using the pool. If I want to, if something breaks, am I ready to make a down payment on a 2010 Toyota Corolla LE (laughs) to fix it? (laughs) And if the answer is no, 
don't get the fucking pool. <laughs> Walk away. Uh, the 2010 Corolla? I was kind of partial to a 2011, so I just want to make sure. Listen, I had an 03 Corolla LE <laughs> stick shift. First car, Optimus Prime. I love that fucking car. It's so good. So good. Anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but anyway, yeah, pools aren't cheap. Um, we have actually gone ahead and we actually now have a pool service that comes oh, cool. sort of once a um, once a week to do all of this stuff. Oh, and uh, pretty in areas where you have, if you're going to buy a house with a pool, there chances are there are others. There are pool services out there that will come. They're not that expensive. My father-in-law last summer asked me what it was like having a pool company, and I said, "You know how you know how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but if somebody else makes you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, it tastes just a little bit better." Yeah, that's what having a pool company is like. They're not doing anything that's rocket science brain surgery, anything like that. But just not having to worry about that, especially when you have two little kids, it's a time suck, uh, is beneficial. But anyway, um, there are also, before we go too far off track, and I just start bitching about my house, uh, uh, there are some specific things to think about when you're going to specific types of water. So we've already hit on a bunch of them with pools. Red Cross makes this point, and I think it's pretty true. I think it's true. It's certainly the rule at our pool, which is if you're going to a pool, unless it's a diving pool, don't dive in the pool. Don't let your kids dive in the pool. Jumping, fine. Don't go brain first into a pool. (laughs) Uh, Unless there's a board on the side. Right. And (laughs) even then, like, make sure that you know what's going on. Because I've seen pools that are like 10 feet deep. With diving boards on them, you're probably fine. Your kids are probably fine. But make sure they know what they're doing before they do it. Yeah, It's all fun to watch a three-year-old belly flop. And Lord knows I've seen it happen at my pool. And I've laughed every goddamn time. But honestly, don't let kids that know how to dive, dive into pools. Yeah. And on the uh, diving board angle, our neighborhood pool, like it's a volunteer-run thing. Yeah. So I went to help put things together. I put the diving board on the platform. Yep. So I pretty much told myself I'm not going off that diving board. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going. I, I'm I was not the either. One they wanted to bolt on there. I'm like, yeah, Just stay away nope, from right. there. Nope, nope, no, 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 thank do you. It if you want me to, because you're making me do these hours, but really, right? Yeah. So unsubscribe from Eric's neighborhood <laughs> diving board uh, yeah. for anybody listening at home. So that's it. Uh, also, again, if you end up owning a, a pool, if you're a sucker like me and you end up owning a pool. Um, the point that the red that this is actually on the Red Cross website, and I think it's a really good note, which is put away the pool toys at the end of the day when you're sort of done with the pool. The idea there being um, don't leave don't leave a, sort of a, a, an advertisement or an incentive for kids to go walk up near the um, near the pool yeah. in order you know when you're not there. So put away your um, your pool toys when you're done with them do you have a special Uh, cabinet for all your toys or do you just like like do you bring them in uh, the house or is there like a locked cabinet back there there is a cabinet there basically we put them in the shed yeah 
uh, the kids know is not to go in there. Put them in the, the shed. We move them far enough away from the pool that they're not an advertisement. Yeah. But it's also far enough away to make you realize, you know, I haven't done it yet. Like, I need this is like part of your routine to get them out of the right. Way. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so I thought that that was a really good note for uh, from the American Red Cross. Yeah. Who knew? They had some good ideas. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving from there, and this was on somebody posted something about this on Twitter, and I thought it was hilarious. There's a new movement amongst some of the more organically minded folks to um, install what are called uh, organic pools in their backyard, which if you look at the pictures of them, they're what we would call ponds or lakes. (laughs) (laughs) But um, basically... um, I see, I can picture this now, and it just makes me laugh and cringe at the same time. Yeah. Well, it's like... You put one of those in. What was that additive that was in Nalgene bottles and, you know, water bottles, the plastic stuff? What was BPA. it? BPA. BPA. Yes. So somebody, there was an, I got a pop-up ad or a, not a pop-up ad, this is in 1998, but like a, <laughs> uh, an ad on a browser that was like BPA-free like water container. And I so I, and I looked at the picture and so I clicked on the link. It took me to an Army-Navy website and they were just selling like Korean War era metal canteens. <laughs> and I was like, fucking A, guys. That's awesome. Like, Yeah. Capitalize on nonsense. I am on board. So uh, metal shavings aren't are good for you. The uh, right the random plastic yeah. odors aren't exactly. So, um, so but anyway, has a so, radon pump in his basement. Yeah. So lakes, lakes and ponds. You know, natural bodies of water. There are some specific hazards that you need to be aware of. The first is, and again, not that we're going to get too morbid about it, but only swim in designated areas. Everybody remembers the Walt Disney story from last year. <laughs> we don't need to get into the nitty gritty of it, but to give the shorthand version, what was it? Two year old. Yeah. Two year old. Waiting. Crocodile. Alligator. Wrong spot. You do the math. Right. It don't go into an area, uh, into a, a natural body of water unless you are 100% sure it's okay to swim there. Obviously, that is the far end of the spectrum when we're talking about potential hazards, but it's worth mentioning. Eric, do you have a ghost wandering around in your basement? No, it's just my (laughs) father-in-law. I just saw this like he was trying to sneak by. Like walking behind you. I was like, oh my God, did Eric watch the videotape you're not supposed to watch? Right. <laughs> this is day seven. I did watch The Ring. Can we get um, him on? Can we get a disaster granddad on? Is that is that because you're podcasting near the beer fridge? Yeah. <laughs> I had to, I had to go to my uh, I had to go to my alternate location this evening in, in my emergency backup plan here. Yep. Continue yep. of operation. Continue. He's in the bunker. He yeah. went to the bunker. So, <laughs> which is uh, all right. So you know, obviously, always for designated fridge. areas. <laughs> it, there's more to it than just alligators, but frankly, alligators should be enough to keep you there. <laughs> but you know, there are all kinds of hazards. Uh, that can be in lakes and ponds in the county where I live in, um, which uh, there are a lot of man-made lakes, meaning there's a lot of underwater debris that was put there intentionally or not when these bodies of water were created. 
if you jump into one of these areas not knowing where you are, it's very easy to land on something that would suck to land on. A submerged so tree. Don't do it. Who knows? Right. I mean, there's a tons of, of just timber, logs, rocks, all this stuff that just got pushed in there when they were making these Cars. bodies of water. So be careful. Um, and then the other thing bodies. to think about, you know, we're recording this in early May, as far as you know. No, we are recording this <laughs> in early May. Um, is water temperatures, Ooh. which is, um, you know, not to get too technical, but especially little kids that don't have necessarily the protective layer that some of the dads do. Um <laughs> do not have a good compensatory mechanism when it comes to temperatures, both air and water, meaning they can get cold and they can get into trouble a lot faster than we can. So it's like your parents used to always do and it would drive you crazy. Keep your eyes on your kids when their arms length away uh, and your phone's not in your pocket. If the lifts start turning blue, if they start turning into raisins, pull them out for 20, 30 minutes, let them sit in the sun get some vitamin D uh, yeah. and figure that out. Um, so that's something to be mindful of in particular in natural bodies of water, both lakes and ponds and the ocean. And so that's sort of a good segue very briefly just to talk about ocean. Thank you. Which is first of all um, tides. You've got to be aware of tides Um you know, tides have different effects in different parts of the country. I grew up going to swim on the bay side in Cape Cod. Um, low tide in Cape Cod, you can walk out for two miles mm-hmm. and you're knee deep in water, maybe. If that, if that right. Uh, on the ocean side, maybe you get an extra six feet of shoreline, maybe 10 feet. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to depend on where you are. Um, what that does, but just be aware of that. If you go on this great big hike during low tide uh, with your kids, walking straight out into the deep blue, know when the tide's going to shift and the tide's going to start coming back in. So you're not like running like some like SEAL team survival scenario where you're holding two kids, hoofing it, trying to get back to dry land as the tide comes in. So be aware of that. And then particularly in the ocean, Uh, Although, you know, this is also true in lakes and ponds, you know, boats, uh, personal watercraft, all that stuff that's zooming around. Make sure that you're in an area where they can see you, they know what's going on, etc. And then the other thing, the thing that I spent the most of my youth when I was on the beach is um, kids love to climb on the rocks on the beach. Um, That's just something else that you need to be aware of. And depending on the age of your kid and how coordinated your kid is, you're going to have to keep your eyes on that. Do that. Um, that's something to think about. The other one I would add in from a guy that learned how to swim in landlocked areas, riptides, they're actually a real thing. Like, you know, yes, I, I never, yes, Montana. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Santa Claus they does will exist. mess you up. Yeah. The, you know, yes. the, the lakes really don't have that kind of thing. They kind of got their ebb and flow, but it's not. I, as a grown, uh, well, I wasn't like a grown up, grown up, but I was old enough to know better. Yeah. I got caught in one of those and it kind of just, whoop, I was like, really? Hey, where were you? Where were you when you got caught in one? It was cold water. So it was like probably Washington state. Okay. So up on that end, but so, I mean, it, it did th- take those me. Are, like, those I, are more, those are more prevalent in certain parts of the ocean mm-hmm. than in others. Like 
those are fairly uncommon on the Cape, like Cape Cod, Massachusetts area. Very common in Cape Hatteras. Very common in North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, Mid-Atlantic region. They're much more prevalent. So the California rule of thumb there is similar to Eric's point the toes and go scenario on the river. Um, If you're caught in a riptide, don't try and swim against it. Swim sideways. Um, Parallel to shore. Parallel to shore. 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 Right. Parallel to shore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Sideways. (laughs) They got it. All right, guys. I was actually with you, Dan. (laughs) I got it. Christ's sake. Wow. Swim sideways, assholes. Uh, So parallel to shore. uh, Riptides will pull you very far out, but they are narrow in uh, width. So if you go... Parallel to shore, uh, you should be able to get out of it um, and find yourself in a much better situation. Yeah. So uh, that's um, that's something to think about when you're on the beach. Um, the other thing to think about on the beach, which is just because it's something that I've we've thought about and we've dealt with, um, and the the dads got to see this a little bit um, yesterday when we all got together. Uh, my littlest one is uh, a little bit headstrong. Uh, a little Just bit a little. What? This is new, and, dude. This is new uh, news to me. I do not understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you guys will get a kick out of this. 18 months old, we take the girls, we take her and her sister to the beach, to Cape Cod, to visit my parents. Shout out to Bama and Papa, uh, <laughs> who live on Cape Cod now. Um, and we go down to the beach the first day. We set up camp like we hike in like we're trying to summit fucking everest we've got the 10 oxygen tanks i swear to god there's a sherpa involved anyway we get on the beach we set up everything you were the sherpa yeah you're the Sherpa. shoot off we shoot off a flare to tell them we've established base camp and we put the one and a half year old down and we're like oh let's see what she does she's never been to the beach before she looks at us like later losers she just takes off walking down the beach, and we're like, oh, let's see how far she goes. This will be cute. Ha, ha, ha. I swear to God, 50 yards later, we're like, oh, we got to go after her because she hasn't even looked back yet. She's just like, I'll see you assholes on Nantucket. I'm out of here. I am done. Heading to Sunday school for some ice cream. Yeah, later. exactly. So, the, the, the you know... Beaches, again, are uh, particularly in places where you're going to go with your family. They're public access. They're big groups of people. So all of the rules that we pl- we went over when we talked about inauguration or the Women's March or the sort of rules of having your kids in places with a lot of people apply to the beach. Yeah. Keep your eyes on your kids even when they're on the beach. Um, know what, sort of Know what's going on. Maintain situational awareness. Uh, particularly if you're swimming with your kids, um, don't get hammered. Uh, that sort of is hit, is hit on quite a bit by the American Red Cross. They say no alcohol whatsoever. I'm never going to say no alcohol whatsoever, but um, you know, you want to make sure that you are you are ambulatory and be responsible uh, in your use. Responsible in your use, exactly. Yes. Um, so kid, you go to the beach and the kids the kids <laughs> like to go down and play toward the water, collect seashells and stuff like that. And invariably you get that inconsiderate family of 10 or 20 people that plop 
their tents right down in front of you. So you can't see the water and you can't see your kids. So yep. make sure you move your, your space a little bit or just go, you know. Yeah. And again, you know, Frank's a little bit ahead of us in, in the age of children bracket. So, you know, Frank, I'd love to hear from you from sort of your perspective, because I know you went to the Cape last summer as well. I think like two weeks before we went to the Cape, you were there. Uh, you know, when you've got the sort of like five, six, seven-year-olds, they're a little bit more independent. You you don't need to bird dog them to the extent that you do like a four and a two, but you still need to sort of keep an eye on them. Yeah, my, my oldest, um, he uh, he's very cautious. So he'll, he'll uh, he may get his toes wet, but that's about it. He's more concerned about uh, building a sandcastle and stuff like that. It's my, my youngest that, that uh, he'll just, line right for the water and he'll keep going and he'll yep. look back go a little farther look back where see where we are go a little farther yep. um so he's the one you have to watch but um you know we we get to the point like we'll go in the water and the oldest will be sitting up by um by our chairs building a castle he'll come down get a bucket of water go back up um and so he's good he does yep. like to walk across the jetties so we just have to walk with him and um make sure he doesn't slip and fall in right but your youngest is like a tank. He could just blow over people as he's going out there. <laughs> yeah, like, he does. <laughs> yeah, your youngest is a Sherman, man. He is awesome. He is. He's a good dude. So, so yeah. Well, the, the older kids, thing. you can watch it. And they know. It's, it's, you know, it's the younger ones who, you know, may or may not know how to swim, but they're really excited to be at the water, and they just want to go and, um, <laughs> and get in that water. Uh, yeah, and they and they also want to keep up with older brother or older sister too, yeah. so which means that they may be more willing to go um, beyond their comfort level. So the last, really quick, the last topic that I just wanted to hit very briefly on, and frankly, this could be an entire other podcast, but it's in all of the literature around water safety is um, boating safety, mm. and I just want to hit on a couple really quick things because. Um, and this kind of shocked me when my parents moved to the Cape full time is particularly if you're going to own a small boat, there's almost no prerequisites in terms yeah. of certifications, particularly if you're going to rent to end up behind a fairly powerful craft yeah. um, for the day. So the first thing is just, you know, know your capabilities. If you've Never been to the beach if you've never been on a boat, but you've watched Jaws a couple times. You know <laughs> which version? Which Jaws? Very. It is very easy to get in over your head. No pun intended. Um, when you're boating, but even just if you're going out on a whale watch, you're taking your kids out on a boat. You're going to be out with friends that own a boat that know what they're doing. There's a couple things that you should know. The first is. Um, while we are, we don't generally use the flotations, the floaties, the whatever with our kids in the pool. If we're going on a boat, on a boat, a boat or a boat, um, the the kids are wearing life jackets. That's a given, non-negotiable. The kids are going to be wearing life jackets. The second and thing much is much better than when we were kids. I would like to say that the personal flotation yeah. devices, the PFDs, are much much yes. better size for you nowadays and much. 
correct are better to wear so like the stigma that i know that all of us at least our generation has they were that horrible orange one the big orange block and, yeah exactly. and you could never get it right so yeah you couldn't move if you wore it and you never wanted to wear it those those exist but only on really crappy places now so i mean right. mm-hmm. you can get ones where the kids are actually mobile able to wear it and, right. and they're really safe right. for them yeah and look look for them the ones yeah. the ones that are good you can buy them at target they're the ones that go over the arm and then wrap mm-hmm. around the, around yep. the chest yeah. yeah they're all coast guard rated and that's really yeah, right. all you need something that's coast guard yeah, rated. And there's a bunch of different brands you can go on amazon you can do a quick web search you can find a bunch of different options the one other thing that i just want to hit on because this is something that everyone should know Quick trivia quiz. Um, do any of the other dads know what is the Coast Guard channel? If you are on a if you are on a boat and you need to radio the Coast Guard, anybody know? Sixteen. Nine. No one. Anybody else know? Uh, no. You were right the first time, Eric. Sixteen. Well, you did. Why didn't you give me? I buzzed in with sixteen because I enjoyed the dumb look on Rob's face. <laughs> While he was thinking about if he had time to Google it before I no. All right, first off, I, I, I own a kayak, and that, and there's no radio on that. There's no radio on that. On a anywhere, kayak, I'm no going, one can I'm, hear you scream. He's got I'm one of the orange canoe, cones. There's no radio on that, so I'm yeah. out. But, yeah, no, if you're going on a boat, put this on your phone. Put it in a little note in your phone, whatever. Uh, you'll probably never need it, but if you do, it is fantastic. If you're on a boat, you turn the radio to channel 16, or if it's a really uh, dumb radio and you have to go by frequency, it's 156.8 megahertz. And again, we'll put this in the show notes as well. That is the Coast Guard channel, universally in the United States, uh, U.S., U.S. Virgin Islands, everywhere. Everywhere the Coast Guard is, channel 16 is the, in case of emergency, break glass channel. And if you get on that channel, no, one, Coast Guard doesn't like people fucking around on channel 16. <laughs> no. Do not do that. Um, so it is a felony if you make a false call on channel 16, so don't do that. And but the other thing to, to know is if you have a legit emergency where you need help, um, on the uh, water, on your on the water, you're on a boat. Turn it to channel 16. You say Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. You give the name of your boat and a description. So it could be the the SS HMS, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever the name of the craft is. But then also a description. So it's the it's the it's the John Doe. It's a it's an 18 foot Boston whaler. Um, the nature of the emergency uh, and the number of the people on board. So, so to give a full sort of example, it would be Mayday, 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 John Doe, 18-foot Boston whaler out of Sasuit Neck Harbor in East, you know, in on Cape Cod, uh, 50-year-old with chest pains, five people on board. They're gonna then figure out what they're gonna send, and they will, they will execute a little bit of what we used to call diesel therapy, uh, which is step on the gas pedal uh, to get to you. The Coast Guard is a bunch of badasses. Uh, they will get to you, 
uh, and they will help you out. But be aware that that is not something to use lightly. Uh, don't call it for a paper cut. But if you are in a medical emergency, if there's some other, you know, if your vehicle is disabled, if your boat is disabled, et cetera, et cetera, no, just always know channel 16 is the come help me channel. And if you don't remember anything else, if you don't remember the Mayday times three, boat description, whatever, if you go on and you say Mayday, 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 I need help on channel 16, they're going to figure out how to get to you. Yeah. They'll walk you through it. Right. And the rule of the water is, you know, if someone else, you know, most boats, most radios on boats will be able to monitor channel 16 and they will, they'll basically have that on sort of passively on the boat. If a distress call comes in, the sort of rule of the water, if you're on a boat, if you own a boat, if you hear a distress call, you go to help out. Yeah. And so uh, if, if you run into a problem, if you make that call, uh, particularly if you're close to shore, if you're around a bunch of other commercial or uh, not commercial, but sort of um, recreational right, boaters, recreational, yeah, thank you, uh, recreational boats, uh, folks will start coming to help you out. And that is how you get good outcomes. But so, uh, again, boating safety, we could do three podcasts on that. That is a huge topic um, and probably worth Putting someone should do that for for Rob's homework assignment, uh, boat safety. Yeah. Uh, wait, does other than me? Does anybody? Well, I own a kayak. I don't know if that counts. Does anybody? That does not count. Quick, yeah. quick update, Rob. That does not count as a boat. <laughs> Especially the well, then, then why kayak. am I getting boat safety? Just because I have some semblance of? No, no, you have nothing. I have a kayak, a life vest, and a whistle. There you go. Well, I've got just just right on the side of your whistle, channel 16. Right. So yeah. you're good to go. <laughs> it's right there when I need yeah, it. I love you're it. Pulling it. Perfect. Hey honey, I so, need to pull out channel 16. Uh, just to uh so just to steal a line from Strickland, that's a that's a deep dive, if you will, <laughs> into uh water safety and a very quick look at boat safety. As always. Tweet at us or message us on Facebook if you have any questions, follow-ups. Um, I'm sure we missed some stuff on all of these topics, but uh, you know, w- water is a great, you know, boating, swimming, enjoying the beach. These are great things to do with your kids. We're not trying to scare you away from doing that, but we do, what we're trying to do is highlight some of the unique uh, challenges and dangers that are associated with those activities to make sure that you are you think through everything that you need yeah. when you uh, when you're going there. The one last thing that I would mention is um, if anybody has any emergency medications, this is for especially for beaches, which can sometimes be hard to get into and out of. Uh, I'm talking EpiPen, inhaler, you know, asthma inhaler, I don't know, uh, nitro. heart medication, yeah. nitro, uh, anybody has, you know, angina, anybody has any medical history where angina. they need something to uh, uh, quickly deal with an acute medical problem, put that, give that to the Sherpa to hump in, <laughs> uh, 
when you're you're making your ascent or descent, as it were, uh, to the beach. Um, every fire department that has a beach near it or in its response area has horror stories of having to deal with people on the beach. Um, oh, and one one last thing, and again, this could be a whole other topic, is um, exposure issues when you're in the outdoors. Mm. Um, sunscreen, if you're at the pool, if you're at the beach, use it. Use it frequently. Um, I know all of the wives that are associated with the, the dirt bags on this podcast <laughs> slather their kids like it's like spackling if you want to take your kids out into the sun in the summertime um there's a reason for that you don't no one wants to deal with a two-year-old with yeah. a sunburn screw that two-year-old i use spf god, 100 god have mercy on your soul nobody wants to have mercy on your soul if you have a toddler with a sunburn yeah uh so um you know that is just something to be aware of as you um, plan your day. Bring sunscreen. Apply it early and often. Um, that, there's that great Jim Gaffigan routine about sunscreen with kids, where it's like he has to start two days before right. they go to the beach, applying the sunscreen to get the kids all lathered up before they go. But uh, I don't know. It feels that way, but it's worth it. Yeah, totally agree. And drink lots of water. Mix it in yeah. with your beer. Not telling you not to drink alcohol, but you know, make sure to drink water too. So, well, cool. Um, I really appreciate that, Dan. Uh, other dads, you got any comments, questions for Dan here as we're closing out? I think he no. covered everything. Uh, if you're at a community pool, you don't have your own uh, like neighborhood pool. Just check their rules for yeah. what they allow, what your kid can and can't do. Uh, I know our neighborhood pool has. Um, you have to take what they call a patch test. And it's basically, if you're under a certain age, you know, you have to show proficiency if you're going to go in the pool by yourself. Otherwise you're within arm's length of, uh, of mom and dad or, or some adult. Um, so check those rules as well and just have fun. Yeah. 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 Like Dan said, we're not trying to scare you. We just want you to make sure that you understand the risks that are out there and that you yep. can, you can have fun. And Dan's in a unique situation where he actually has to deal with this day in and day out season off season, the whole nine yards. So he's, he's, far more prepared and he's definitely our prepper when it comes to pools at this point. So, and everything uh, else, let's be honest. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no. So again, thank you very much, Dan. Really appreciate that. And uh, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for sticking with us. As Dan said, tweet us, Facebook us at disaster dads. Let us know what you think. Visit us at disasterdads.com and also check out our Google and our iTunes page and, um, you know, give us a rating and a little feedback there so we can try to try to go up the ranks in our, um, in our categories, which I don't think we actually really rank. So we try to at least rank in our category. So, uh, you know, really appreciate it. Um, send us your ideas and I'd like to thank the dads again for a wonderful episode. Always fun to get together with them. And with that, we panic. So you don't have to. Thanks a lot guys. Bye.